Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 43 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with David Russin, a freelance pattern maker and sample sewer. Now, that might not sound like anything insanely crazy, but here's the really cool part about David. He does all of his freelance work from a rural town in Colorado. And when I say rural, it's rural. I've been there. I went and visited David at his studio in this town that's located about an hour outside of Denver. And what he's been able to build for himself is absolutely phenomenal. I'm super excited to introduce you guys to him and let him tell you his journey and his story of how he got to where he is. When David first started in the industry, he wasn't super interested in the design aspect of things, and he thought something was wrong with him. He thought, why, why don't I like to design? Why am I not doodling on napkins like everybody else is? And he realized he was really fascinated by fit, but it took him a while to figure out that there were other jobs in fashion that weren't design. And he realized he could make a job, make a career, make a living out of making sure garments fit right. In the interview, David talks a little bit more about that. He also shares exactly how he built his freelance career, from how he figures out and does his pricing, to the importance of maintaining relationships with other professionals, past teachers, and continuing to get out and meet new people in the industry. One of the things David does that is surprisingly simple, yet this is not the first time I've heard other freelancers don't do this, he actually reaches back out to people when he gets opportunities for work. I've tried to talk with so many people in this industry and nobody has reached back out to me. You're the first person who's reached back out to me. And I go, well, gosh, there's plenty of work to be done. There's plenty of people that will, um, that will give you work. But if you're, not, if you're not reaching back out when people are trying to, to talk with you, even if they're not your ideal fit, um, at least open the dialogue. I know, insanely simple, but I'm telling you, he's not the first person to tell me that this is what people in the industry tell him who need help and freelancers out there just simply don't get back to them. Now, before we get on to the episode with David, I want to let you guys know that I'm going to be in LA in March, March 19th. I'm throwing a party in LA. I did this a little while ago in New York City, and it was phenomenal. We had an awesome group of industry professionals, and that's exactly what we're going to do in L.A. It's super casual. There's going to be drinks. I'm going to be a, do a book signing for my recent launch of The Ultimate Guide to Being a Freelance Fashion Designer. It'll be a great way to network with other fashion professionals. We're doing it at Hello World Fashion Studios, and it's going to be an awesome time to meet other professionals, Uh, get some great resources in LA for launching or starting your brand. And I would love to see you guys there. Again, it's March 19th in LA. If you want more details on that, you can go to sfdnetwork.com slash party. 
Also, I will remind you, as always, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you would take 30 seconds to leave a review, I would be absolutely thrilled. You can do that at sfdnetwork.com slash review. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, go to sfdnetwork.com slash 43. Now on to the interview with David. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Before we even get started, I want to just paint a quick picture of where we are. We are in Greeley, Colorado on location at David's studio, and he'll introduce himself in a second. Um, But welcome to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, David. Uh, Please tell us, I guess, a little bit about where we are, who you are, and what you do in the fashion industry. Right. So my name's David Russin, and I am a pattern maker and sample maker. Okay. Um, That's what I do all day, every day. (laughs) And like for people out there listening, talk a little bit about pattern making. Like what exactly does that mean? Um, Let's say someone's maybe a little bit new to the industry or just give us a a definition of what that means, how that works. Cool. Sometimes when I say pattern maker, people think like the print on something and that's not what a pattern maker is. I would, the stuff on the surface of a fabric that makes it look like something, I would call a print. Yeah. Um, The pattern is... uh, For those who have made their own clothing and gone to, I don't know, some craft store, it's like the McCall's pattern that you pick up in a little paper envelope and you unfold and it's in light tissue paper and all that and you put it on top of your fabric and you cut it out. That's the kind of patterns that I make is the stuff that makes your final garment. It's the shapes that you cut the fabric out of. That's that's what I do. And then to make sure that it all works together and does everything right, then... um, I make the sample for it to make sure that the fit is exactly what our, my client wants. And then if any alterations need to be done, then I go back to the pattern and we tweak the pattern. And if they want another sample, then we make another sample and yeah. Okay, cool. So um, to kind of start from the beginning, like how did you get into this? Did you go to school or how'd you start learning? Yes. Um, how I got interested in making stuff, I actually even when I was back in high school, um, I would make myself some like shirts. I made some corduroy pants. Those were a disaster, but I did make <laughs> some because um, I didn't understand about that fabric sometimes has a direction to it. So one pant leg was going the wrong direction, and the corduroy was going the corduroy, horizontal. No, not the corduroy, but like the 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 pile the, went the, the pile wrong. went the wrong yeah. direction. So okay. one leg was doing one thing, and the other leg was doing something else. So it's like matte versus shiny. Yeah, it was not good. But um, so my first stuff that I really wanted to do, I did in high school, and I had always had this dream of being able to make my own clothes. Like just be the person who could walk into a room, someone say, "Oh, where'd you get that?" and I could say. Oh, I'm wearing everything that I made. Like, like the jeans everything. you're wearing right now. Exactly. Yes. So, um, so it was one of those things that I wanted to do that. And then I went, when I went to college, um, I went, I didn't go for fashion, actually. I didn't go for pattern making initially. Oh, cool. I actually, actually love this. Actually, I yeah. went... I initially didn't know what I wanted to do because yeah. it hadn't it hadn't dawned on me that that was even a possibility. Okay. Um, I'm not sure I had thought about it much, but then um, while I was there, I went through advertising, I went through animation, I went through. I did psychology for a little bit, probably just to figure myself out, but like it lasted a year and <laughs> it didn't last very long. But I went through. I think six majors. Okay, wow. And between each one of them, I had started to think, well, maybe I should do fashion. 
Like it was started to come into my brain. And I had actually, I'm sorry, grandma. <laughs> my grandmother, I had talked with her about it and she told me don't do fashion. Oh. And I went, okay. So there for a little while, I think it took me longer to figure out what I wanted to do because I was trying to be a nice grandson and honor my grandmother. Or that it was like maybe even something that you could do. Right, right. right. Well, but she told me not to do it, so I wasn't going to do it. And so then finally at the end of it, talking to other family members, I started taking the, all the sewing classes that the that the university had. And there wasn't a fashion design um, program. I went I went to BYU for my first major. Okay. Um, for my first degree. I have I have two degrees. Okay. Um, and they used to have a fashion design program there, but it went away. But all of the classes for it still, they just shifted underneath a different name. Okay. So they still had the core classes for sewing and all of that. And um, so I took all of them. I took the beginning one, I, all the way up through the advanced tailorings, all of the focused really heavily on the pattern making. Because when, when I got into the pattern making class, I just fell in love with patterns because I didn't even realize that there was this option about patterning. Yeah. So then, um, and I did extremely well in the class and I just was like, wow, I really like this. And so I graduated and came back to Colorado. Um, did kind of futzed around for a couple of years, not yeah. knowing what to do next because it wasn't an official fashion degree. Right. Um, so you're like left with like, you're like, I have all this skill you know, and I know all these things, but I don't have the formal, formal piece of paper. I don't have the name behind it that yeah. apparently people seem to think was necessary. Yeah. So um, anyhow, so I went back just to get a design degree, just to have the letters behind my name. I went to CSU and okay. I looked up how it was rated in CSU actually, its program is rated like number sixth in the country, even yeah. though um, having after having worked in the industry, I think it should be ranked higher personally oh, compared to some of the other schools that I have run into students from and gone, oh, yeah. you're not as good as you should have been for having come out of that prestigious school. Um, I, I have some commentary too, I won't go into, <laughs> but just to be clear, that's um, Colorado State University. Yes, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. So I went back to CSU um, did an internship there, not an internship there, but I, from there I got an internship in New York and I worked at Lily Fashion in New York, which is a full package facility, which means that they go everywhere from, they have the pattern makers and the initial staff around pattern making and they have a full factory where they've got, I think it was like 30 to 40 people okay. sewing and cutting and doing like production line production line stuff. Yeah. So they were doing production and they were doing stuff for. Um, I did some patterns for. I remember Billy Reed was one of the patterns that I had done some yeah. stuff for. I done some stuff for Ellie Tahari. Not that they they didn't produce there, but they did some sample sure checking on stuff there. So there was some stuff for that. Nunu. Um, some of these names might not ring a bell for anybody. Stephanie O, who's actually yeah. located in Colorado. Yeah. I worked on some of her patterns while out there, and she actually still produces out in, um, with Lily Fashion, I think, unless that's changed. Um, yeah, so I interned there for four months, came back, finished up my degree, and then said, well, do I want to live in New York? I'm not sure I want to live in New York. Um, <laughs> I loved the city when I was there. I really did. Um, so I went back, but the time I went back was actually about this time of year. It was January, February, and 
for the two, I lived with a friend for two, two and a half months, something like that, and did freelance and was, it was starting to do, I was, I would have been fine. Like I was pulling stuff in, um, but the sun did not shine for those two months. And I went, I cannot do this. I will love to visit New York as much as I want to. And I will come back and I will love the city, but I have to live somewhere where there's sun. So I came back to Colorado. Yeah. Um, worked for another individual who I'm not going to talk about because that was not a good experience. Totally but, fair. Um, it did, that experience did open me up to going, wow, if this person is doing something in the industry and trying to kind of succeed in the industry and is actually pulling in clients, goodness knows, I can certainly do it on yeah. my own. I don't need to be paid. I think she paid me $15 an hour or something like that, which is, you know, I could have gone and worked retail and gotten something close to that. So I, I decided, no, I can do this on my own. And um, about two years ago, well, not quite two years ago, it was March 1st that I went independent of 2000, what's 16. 16. Okay. 2016, March 1st, I went independent. Yeah. Um, and that day I had already owned my own I used a tax return to buy my first industrial straight stitch, I think a year and a half, a year before that, a year and a half before that. Um, and I just kept it in my room um, at home. And then I went and I got my cover stitch. The day that I quit, I went and got my cover stitch machine um, from Ralph's down yeah. in Denver. Yeah. Um, and then Jack, who's the salesperson there, said, David, you need to come down and staff at the Denver Design Incubator and just let it be a network thing. So I was like, all right. So since then, I can count on one hand at the number of days that I haven't, that I've missed my shift. And so it's been every Friday I've been in Denver yeah. to cover my shift. And That's so cool. But, but that right there opened up this network where even if people weren't going to the incubator to use the incubator's facility, they... Um, would go to find someone to do something for them. And often people would just send them to me. Yeah. And so then my, that first six months, I tell you, was a little bit rough. It was a good thing my parents were like, just live with us, it's okay, stay here. <laughs> um, but that, those first couple months were a little bit rough, but um, then things started picking up. Okay. And it's just been growing since. Wow, this is so amazing. Um, so a couple things, uh, just to be clear, um, Ralph's is an amazing resource here in Denver, and mm -hmm. as well as Denver Design Incubator. I will put all of that in the show notes, um, links to those. But uh, I wanted to talk about everything with, with sort of you going out on your own and, and building this this business of your mm -hmm. own where you, you are supporting yourself and, and running this business, and it's phenomenal. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to talk a little bit about – you made the comment um, – when you were taking the pattern making classes in at CSU, or no, I I think at well, BYU. I, uh -huh. But I took took them at CSU too. Okay, but yeah. you but you made the comment. You're like, wait, I really love this, and mm -hmm. and I think that this is one of those aspects of the industry that a lot of people, uh, perhaps more people who who don't aren't really in the industry yet they're thinking about going into it it's mm -hmm. an aspect of the industry and it's a career path that i think a lot of people don't even think about they mm -hmm. discount they maybe don't even really realize or think that it exists i think perhaps like sure. you did like i did and so talk a little bit about um 
you know, what did you love about it? Like, what did you fall in love with that you thought, you know what, wait, this is really cool. I could do this. This is, this is a real thing. Um, hmm. I'm not sure back when I first took my first pattern making class that I realized that this could be my job. Okay. Um, I don't think it was until I was going back for my second degree that I was like, how am I going to, what am I going to be? What do I really, what am I really interested in? Um, and in the fashion and stuff, you know, I, I actually didn't care so much about sketching fashion, sketching fashion. I wasn't one of those people that, you know, sat at tables and sketched fashion ideas on napkins. I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> and so somehow I felt like I was lacking in the mm. fashion industry. I felt like I was there was something wrong with me that, mm. like, if you're going to do fashion, David, you've got to, you know, be one of those people that, do like, doodles. be doodling all the time. And it doesn't mean I don't know how to doodle or I, I can draw very well. That's not, that's not the issue. The, the thing was is that I would rather draw frogs. Um, and I, I know that sounds really weird. <laughs> that's, so, I, but, that's so odd. Frogs. <laughs> frogs. Well, but like, I, can, I can show you one of my sketchbooks where, like, I have frogs drawn in it. And, like, I would, I would do a fashion sketch in my in my in my notebook because I was supposed to for class, but then mm -hmm. the next two pages were devoted to stuff that I was like, I can just sketch whatever I want. Yeah. So I would draw other things. Okay. Um, so it, it really became one of those things where I was like, I don't really care so much about designing the next the glamour, thing. Yeah. But what I just found fascinating was how to, I found fit fascinating, making stuff just fit perfectly on a person. And so the alterations fascinated me and how, how you take that wrinkle and go back to the paper and make, make the change on the paper that will show up in the fabric later so that there's not a wrinkle and that it's perfectly smooth. Oh, I love that. Um, and, and I think that was what was fascinating. The other thing that I ended up discovering about it that I had never thought that I would like um, is you actually use a lot of math and a lot of geometry mm -hmm. um, with like circles and stuff like that. Um, in high school, I, re I actually was really good at math. I wasn't good at math in college. It might have been my professor, to be honest. But <laughs> I, um, but the things that I loved in high school about math were the algebra and the geometry. Those were the two classes that I loved. And I, was, I, I really loved doing that math. Part of me was like, I can't like math because, you know, my dad likes math. And at that point, it was because <laughs> I was maybe a little bit rebellious. But I didn't want to like math. But I didn't. I never wanted to become like an engineer or something where you were going to have to use math more or or a scientist, like where you think of where the math is going to be. Yeah. But then when you're working with patterns, you're working with shapes and you have to understand geometry. And there's sometimes where you're like, I need to find this number and I need to find how much this is. And I have to, and, and you end up using a lot of those tools that the, my favorite parts of the math ended up being what I was using. So it ended up just being really fun because here was this stuff that I never thought I would ever use and it showed up. So listen, kids out there, algebra, geometry, yeah, you fun. use it. <laughs> and you use it in like real life, mm -hmm. like it's in clothes and fashion. Like I think mm -hmm. that's so cool to think about. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so, so, I, and I love too that you said, you know, you almost like felt like, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I want to be doing these sketches? Because mm -hmm. I think when people look at our industry as a whole, you think of your stereotypical fashion designer, mm -hmm. these glamorous sketches, rah, 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 right. frolicking in fabric all day. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much more that goes into it. Um, and, and arguably, you know, how the garment is constructed and how it fits on the body is like, 
just as important as what the design looks like. Because if something doesn't fit, someone's mm-hmm. not going to buy it or right. it's going to get returned or they right. buy it and it says in their closet and you never put it on because it just fits awkward in this one spot. So mm-hmm. it's such an important and critical aspect. Um, so, okay, so you you had this um, opportunity where you were working for like 15 an hour and you're like, God, if this person's doing this and they're kind of, so it sounds like they were, you know, not this big corporation you were working at, but no. something smaller. And you thought, wait, I can do this. So what did that, and, and, and you said you had some support from your parents at first and you kind of figured things mm-hmm. out for those six months and maybe financially it was a little bit rough and now you're almost at two years. So congratulations on that. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and I know you said you kind of got involved in, in the Denver Design Incubator here, mm-hmm. but like, what does that really look like? Um, especially because, uh, you know, I, I want to be very clear that you live in Greeley, Colorado, which yeah. is a, a little over an hour outside of Denver. And mm-hmm. and Denver's growing in terms of its fashion scene. It's definitely not, you know, New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but you live in this small town outside of a city and you are still making this work. And so for a lot of people out there listening, I think, you know, they want to do their own thing. They want to have their own business. They want to freelance. They want to do contract work. Um, and maybe they feel... It's not possible because they too perhaps don't live in this grandiose place that where all this fashion happens. So what does that really look like? And like, how did you build that? And I mean, I don't know. Can you talk us through some of some of that? I think the way it grew really was just because of networking. Okay. Um, never underestimate um, your your group of peers. And never, especially if you've been able to go to school mm. or. Um, something inv- involved with it. Um, your professors are incredible people. I mean, so I look back, well, and people in the industry. So, for example, um, Jack at the at the um, Ralph's at sewing. Ralph's yeah. sewing. Um, he and I have spent a lot of time together, just chatting, talking. And so now, if somebody says, "Hey, I need a pattern maker." Um, there are other pattern makers that he probably sends people to, but I am one of the people that he puts on the list. Um, and then, um, oh, remind me to talk about communication okay. after that. Okay. But like, but as far as the network yeah. is concerned, um, find people that you trust and respect in the industry, um, and and network with them. Yeah. And. And, and number one, show that you have skill. Because if people just come, if someone were to come to me and say, hey, David, I want you to network with me. And I go, great, show me something of yours. Or um, not necessarily even show me something, but tell me tell me your background or tell me tell me something about yeah. it. If, if all you've got is a, a hope and a dream and stuff like that, then I'm going to go, sure, I'll work with you on it. But until I can see something, yeah. um, it's kind of hard yeah. for me to, to judge whether I want to send someone to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is sometimes hard as a pattern maker too, actually, because there's so much of what I do that I can't show other people because yeah. um, a lot of people, it's their it's their line, and I'm, I can't show yeah. what I'm doing yeah. um, because they don't want it seen it's until it hits the, it's proprietary information. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, can't, I can't show a lot of it. Um, but going back to, oh, but with networking, um, all of my professors at CSU, um, I, people frequently say, oh, so and so and so professor, I was talking to them and they mentioned you that you were a great option. And so here I am. And, but those professors 
wouldn't know to send people to me unless I kept in contact with them. Yeah, and maintain I do. those relationships. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's about maintaining a relationship yeah. in, in the fashion industry and not burning bridges. Yeah. Um, even if you don't necessarily always agree with how another person does something um, or how their approach to it, you, you never burn a bridge. Yeah. It's people are too important yeah. to burn bridges with them, even if you don't necessarily always get along with them. It's yeah. important to keep those yeah. networks open and yeah. those channels open. Yeah. As far as communication and what built me there, um, I don't know how many times someone will have contacted me and I'll, con- I'll reach back out within a day or two days usually. Um, and I don't know how many people I can I could count where they just say you're the first I have talked with tried to talk with so many people in this industry and nobody has reached back out to me you're the first person who's reached back out to me and I go well gosh there's plenty of work to be done there's plenty of people that will um, that will give you work but if you're not if you're not reaching back out when people are trying to to talk with you even if they're not your ideal fit um, at least open the dialogue yeah. And um, and I think that's the biggest thing is that people just don't communicate with each other, or they try to hide their try to hide who they're working with, or and I, I don't think there's any place for that in yeah. the industry, even though that's what we typically do. <laughs> I know we, we we do have a stereotype, and and not even just stereotype; it tends to be true for being very secretive and closed-lipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the communication thing I think is so important, and it's something that I see as well because um, I do a lot of contract work, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's interesting because I think I think there's two things that can set you apart from all these other uh, service providers, freelancers, contract workers, however mm-hmm. you want to package them, um, is the communication is huge. Like, reply in a prompt manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even if, like you said, it's not ideal or you're not the right match, like, at least get back to them and let mm-hmm. them know and maybe refer them to someone else or give them a tip of how they could figure it out, figure out the next step. Um, and then, two, it's just, like, doing a good job and, like, delivering on time is mm-hmm. huge because I don't know how much you've heard, but I've heard a lot of stories of, like, oh, you know, I hired this freelancer, this person to do my patterns, or this person to do my uh, my design, and, and they were just flaky or it took forever and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and they just didn't do a good job. And I think that you know, just, just do a good job for your clients. Mm-hmm. And like that little bit of effort goes so far. I mean, that's your job. You should be doing it anyways, but right. it's so funny. Like, I feel like a lot of people just don't. Right. I don't know if you've seen much of that. I have seen that a lot. And in fact, I've had a lot of people where they will come to me and they'll talk with me and they'll say, it took them three months to get me this one donkey thing. Right. And, um, and I think personally, that's just and, and about probably for the first, you could probably nix that part, but <laughs> for the first year, um, I probably did a couple of those Sure. just in my learning process. And what I finally discovered is that, guess what? You have to keep a calendar. Like, you have to set a date. So now, typically what I do is I will meet with someone, and before they leave, I don't say, oh, it'll be about two weeks or three weeks or something like that. I typically do three to four weeks lead time because I've got other people sure, stacked, in the, up. stacked up. So usually there's a three to four week wait period. Um, but I always put a new date on the calendar. I always pull out my calendar in the meeting and we sit down and we say, okay, I will have it done on this date at this time. Mm-hmm. And then for me, if I'm, if I'm struggling to make that, 
then that needs to be me calling them and saying, hey, I've run into some struggles with this. Can we schedule for this other time? Just but be honest about just it. Just be open about it. Yeah. Be honest about where you're at with your schedule, and then and then you're fine. Um, but I, I know there were a couple people that slipped a little bit through the cracks because I didn't have a date on my calendar set for them. And, and I... I I felt bad about it, yeah. but it was one of those things that I was still learning. We've how all to, messed up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still learning, but I think that's the biggest thing is when people put a date on the calendar, you make the date. Yeah. But the other thing is, put a date on the calendar. Don't give some sort of vague, arbitrary, arbitrary yeah. two to three weeks, something yeah. like that. No, it needs to be a date on the calendar. I mean, this is, it, you're working for yourself. It's still a job. You still mm -hmm. have to hold yourself accountable. You right. still have deadlines to meet. Um, so that's great. Um, Let's do, can we talk a little bit more about the process? Like, what mm -hmm. does this really look like? So, I mean, who exactly are you working with? Okay. Um, and especially for some of the listeners out there who, you know, uh, are you work, do you work with a lot of startups, independents, established mm -hmm. brands? And then what does that actually look like? They come to you with a sketch on a napkin. Mm -hmm. They do do that sketch on a napkin that they you do. don't love to do. Uh -huh. um, and then, you know, like, talk us through, how does this work? So typically what happens is I'll get an email of someone saying, hey, do you do such and such, which, by the way, I don't do going to that match thing where you're like, maybe we're not a good fit. I've had people who want to do, um, like, sports bras or something like that, mm. and I'm like, I don't do sports bras. Okay. I don't do it. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where I have to own as a, as a pattern maker yeah. where my skill set is. Mm -hmm. So people ask, do you do bags? And I'm like, I've done them. That's not what I do all day. So, I mean, if you're willing to work with a um, someone who doesn't do that all day, and as far as you'll have kind of a learning curve if you're working with uh, bags with me. Sure. Sure, you can work with me, and I'll give them that option. But, again, be transparent and honest and mm -hmm. open and clear and Don't honest say, with yourself about mm -hmm. what you can and can't do. Right. Yeah. Um, but as far as what they bring me is they typically come in with a sketch, and if not a sketch they'll often bring me a garment mm. just a piece of clothing that they're like i like the fit of this garment i just wish this line were different and this line were different like they'd come with a list of things that they were different but they mm -hmm. like the fit and, of a particular and, garment okay and just to clarify and maybe this is there's different people is this someone who's trying to launch their own line or maybe already has okay. their own line or they're want, making something for an event or like who is this person most most of the people i work with um are wanting to launch a line okay I don't typically like doing one-off sorts of things. Okay. I typically like to do the whole, let's get this ready for production so we gotcha. can send it out and get digitized and graded and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so they'll come to me often without a sketch, actually. Some come with a sketch, some come not with a sketch. Yeah. Some just come with an idea. They don't even have a garment. It's they in just their head. Have, it's in their head, <laughs> and they don't know how to draw it. Okay. Um, so I'll... Frequently, I end up sitting down and having to do a sketch with them to say, is this what you want? Or if they give me a sketch, oftentimes the sketch is, um, I guess, subpar for lack of a better term as far as how much information is there for me to go off of. I'm just like, yeah, um, yeah you drew a sheath dress. And they say, no, that's not a sheath dress. And they have to explain what it is. And I go... Ah, I guess so like there's... There's not like, there's no construction for you to actually read right. on the sketch. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's just this nice little yeah. 
blob on the yeah. paper and I have to interpret and ask lots of questions. So And as, as I have to interject as a quick teaser. Um, we are documenting um, some video footage from this interview and we have something roughly in this category that I think we're going to be able to share in the video. Potentially. Okay. Yeah. So so definitely check the show notes um, for some behind the scenes video footage of this because you'll get a better visual idea of some of what David does and what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to plant that seed right now because I know some of this is hard to talk about it's very visual right um, okay so they have this rough sketch and it's not very constructionally accurate I don't and sometimes it might be okay it sure. might be. It, I could I could get anything from nothing to a garment that they want to change a couple things on to a sketch that's really good to a sketch that's really bad sure to I mean I can get anything from yeah. what when people come in and then we sit down and before I do anything we We'll sit down and we'll make a list of everything that needs to be present in the garment and everything that it needs to fit like, Every basically all of that. We'll take measurements if that person is going to be their own fit model. Mm -hmm. um, usually the people that I'm working with are startup designers. Okay. Most of the people are startup designers, yeah. pretty small. Um, I've got a couple people that are a little bit more established in their own brands. They're just trying to launch... The, their lifestyle brands where they like might make hats already or bags and now they want to add to that collection a garment that they want to s insert into the mix. Sure. Um, of their own fit and making and stuff. Some of them even have like clothing stuff that they sell but it's other people's brands on their websites and stuff like that mm. but now they want to interject, interject their, own, gotcha. their own stuff. Yeah. So that's the kind of, I'll, I'm working with people a, w a wide range of people. I've even done dog toys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like plush, plush little dog <laughs> yeah. toys. So um, I've, and I've done um, like an artist's installation. Um, William, William Matthews, he, um, he's, a, he's an artist down in Denver. He's a country artist and yeah. he has um, his ties, his tie collection. Oh, cool. Um, they're these big wall hangings, four foot tall and seven foot tall ties. Oh, that not hang on the walls. They're like giant. They're giant wall hanging things that he painted on. Oh, interesting. So I did. I did the pattern, and actually, I did the production on that. I don't usually do production, but that was a unique, a really unique yeah. case. That's Anyhow. so interesting. So I'll do. I'll do anything as far as that's concerned. I I really like exploring stuff, especially if people are like, I don't know who to go to, yeah. and I don't know who's going to do this project with me. It's I I find the experimentation process interesting and fascinating and yeah. fun so that that was fun because i got to do woodworking with it too um because there had to be a, a, a structure, structure underneath to hold it yeah um but after i get the sketch from someone what i'll do is i will either use a base pattern that i already have on hand okay um, Which would you refer to that as a block? Uh huh. Okay. Yep. I use a clear. pattern block. And so explain um, that. In a, like, could you give us a three sentence explanation of what a block is and how it works for people out there that don't know that term? A block for me is basically the base outline of a pattern that has no seam allowances. Is just a generic fit. Um, and you'd have and a different trace it. block for a blouse versus, versus a pant mm -hmm. versus a dress. Yep. For, so you'd have a block for all these different categories, uh -huh. and then you kind of start with that, mm -hmm. and then it gets customized from there. Exactly. Okay. In fact, when I can show you some blocks that I just kind of have on hand. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. In 
when we do filming stuff. Um, so you start with a block that you have in your library. Uh -huh. yeah. Or um, I'll either start with a block that I already have, depending on what it is, or frequently I'll just ask them, do you have a fit of something that you just love? Mm. Like um, something in their own closet. It's something in their own closet and yeah. they'll leave it with me and I will rub it off. Basically, yeah. I'll snag the pattern from it. Yeah. Um, which, so you don't like backwards engineer from mm -hmm. a, a from existing a, garment. A, right, which yeah. you don't have to tear the garment apart to yeah. get a pattern. You yeah. can always, there are ways to get the pattern off of a garment without tearing the garment apart. Okay. Without going too deep into detail, do you just go through a lot of POMs, points of measure, and you kind of like map that out, and then you reverse engineer no. that into a pattern? Or? Not really. Oh. There's, there's an actual way I can rub it off. You kind of like trace <laughs> I can, it. I can trace or lay it down, like, and I can, it. yeah. Okay. yeah oh, there's, wow. There's lots of different ways that you can do it. I have a spiky wheel here that can stab through stuff. Oh, gotcha. So that I can lay it oh, down. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that tool. Yeah, yeah. so I can use okay. this little guy to rub stuff off. I can, I can either rub it off with chalk like this. So I'll rub that through the, like I'll put paper over the top of the garment and I'll just go rub over the top and it's like making a leaf. Like if you put a leaf down in paper. it's like those kids crafts mm -hmm. yep. where you like, mm -hmm. oh, that's so cool. So I can do that if it's a really simple garment like a t-shirt or something like that, I yeah. could do that. Okay. Or I'll trace around the edge of it and uh -huh. use my little spiky wheel to get some of the interior details. Yeah. Or I will... Wow, you really do just kind of rub it off. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's multiple ways that I can rub off a garment, and it just entirely depends on which garment it is and how it's, how easy, what method I think will be easiest to sure. rub it off. Sure, sure. Um, so if I'm not starting with a block that's already just established, I might rub off a garment, or um, I do have a dress form. And then sometimes people will come to me and they're like, well, I'm about this size, and I'm like, well, those are within spitting distance to the size <laughs> of my dress form. Yeah. So we'll just drape it from scratch. Yeah. And so I have, I've draped a couple things from scratch just and to that, say, let's do it. It yeah. really just depends on the type of garment. Like exactly. it's not something structured. Yep. It's, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I can, I will do anything from draping to block and all of that. And I do, um, f for those of, um, are curious. I do all of my patterns by hand. Okay. I like I like the tactile experience of touching paper. As opposed I often, to digital. As opposed to digital. Okay. Um, I honestly feel like you end up with a better pattern in the long run. Mm. Um, there's so many digital patterns that I've received from other pattern makers to do samples of that I go, wow, you clearly didn't know how to alter stuff. In, a, in the real life before you just went and hacked away at it in a digital <laughs> form. It's really easy for people to do things quick and dirty mm. in a digital method yeah. without understanding how to do it in real life. Interesting. So personally, I like, I feel like you get a better product in the long run when you do it by paper first. Yeah. Um, as far as grading and stuff, I always have that done digitally. Okay. Um, I always have that And experience. so for grading, tell everybody out there listening who doesn't know what's grading. Grading is when you, um, I only make a pattern for one size and it's usually the middle size. So I'll usually make a medium or a large for someone. Mm -hmm. And then I will take my pattern and I'll send it to someone and they'll put it into the computer and they'll take all of the different special points on it and they'll, size it out for the rest of the sizing. Yep. So you'll have, you'll start with a medium and at the end of it, you'll end up with your extra small, small, medium, large, extra large. You'll get all, all, all of the sizes. Yeah. So that's grading yep. is when you get all of that size. So um, I personally don't grade. Um, I have a vague understanding how to do it, but yeah. it's not my favorite thing to do in the world. Yeah. Um, 
I do know how to do digital stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm trained in Lectra. Okay. Um, yeah. And actually in some of the expert functionalities in Lectra too. So I've been I've been well trained and I know how to use the software. Yeah. Um, so if someone were to come along and say, hey David, we want you to use Lectra, well, number one, they'd have to give me access to the program. It's <laughs> not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> um, but I know how to do it. For um, people out there listening who think Illustrator's expensive, Lectra is, is not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> Adobe Illustrator is a drop in the bucket. Oh, it's like I keep Adobe Illustrator and I'll pay the 50 bucks a month for... Yeah. Lectra is not a $50 a month. No, it is yeah. a... Um, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars to yeah. get Lectra. Yeah. Um, but it's a cool program. It's a very cool program. Yeah. Um, and I and I know how to use it. I, but I I personally prefer paper. to do it by paper yeah. first before I take it into that form. Okay, so we come to you, we maybe have a sketch, maybe not, maybe we have a garment in real life, uh -huh. and, and then you start, you work from either the block or the garment in real mm -hmm. life, and and then, then like what happens next? You maybe draft a pattern mm -hmm. and you sew up a prototype, and then usually, or where are we at here? So usually what I do, once I have my first little block sort of pattern, um, I haven't done pattern, like pocket bags yet. I haven't done any of the fine finishing pattern pieces that need to be done. Mm -hmm. I don't do those for the first little tiny prototype. And I personally, I don't charge for the first prototype. It's just sort of built into my pattern making cost. Okay, gotcha. My first prototype is literally, you could not wear it. It's made out of muslin. Yep. It's rough edges, everything, <laughs> but it's, but it should fit. So we like might actually based. come in and like put it on our body, but we'll it's put nothing it on that a person. you're gonna yeah. wear. You're right. not even gonna try it out for an afternoon. No, yeah. you wouldn't even try yeah. it out for an afternoon. It's really for me my sanity check that before I finish out the pocket bags and all of this, all let me make sure that it fits exactly the way that I want it to yeah. first. Yeah. And then once I know the fit is good, I can stick as many other pattern pieces on there as I want. Yeah. As far as pocket bags and adding another design line and adding all of this kind of stuff. I can add all of that stuff later. Okay. So really the first thing that I do is just, A, is this the fit you wanted? Kind of is building this, this foundation, like it's yeah. like the skeleton of it. Right, okay. is this what you wanted? And then once I have a, yes, this is what I wanted, then I come back and I give, um, I make all the changes to finish out the pattern. And at that point, we'll either do it in a fabric that's similar or the actual fabric. Okay. Um, and then at that point, people take the sample with them and then they go out, try it out, say, yes, I liked this about it. I hated this about it. I want this to change. I know we wanted this here, but I've decided after wearing it, I'd actually prefer it over here. So then people iterate on mm -hmm. their idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then I go back and change it. Or sometimes after that first go, they say, that's wonderful. Let's just ship it, ship it off. I've rarely actually, I've rarely had to do more than two um, samples okay. to get something perfect and oftentimes yeah. I get it good at the first for the first final sample yeah. it usually fits pretty good yeah. after that because I did that first fit session gotcha um, there's if people are really 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 picky um, I have one person who's extremely picky um, where every time we're like can you move this seam an eighth of an inch this direction and that seam an eighth of an inch this way? And then, Wait, but like but, an eighth of an inch is not even tolerance. No, it's not. So <laughs> um, unfortunately for this person, um, if anybody else is making the pattern, yeah. they're going to have issues in the long run. And yeah. I've told them that. Okay. I've told them that. I'm like, you realize this is me making the pattern. Yeah. This is me making the sample, which means that I'm going to be really, really accurate about it. But some people 
Yeah. Well, they pay, she yeah. she has to pay me quite a bit for, <laughs> for that stuff. And if she wants that and she's going to pay for yep. it, then you know what? You yep. do that for those clients. When when people when people start nitpicking that much, then I'm not. I don't. I don't say. Oh well, we'll we'll decrease the amount of per per garment that you right. make. I mean, right. I keep the price up just because. You have to. I have it's to. your time. It's, it's your time, time and, and your expertise and your labor and, and it's work. That particular that particular garment. Um, from cutting to and doing a few of the alterations to cutting and sewing, it takes me six hours to make it. So, okay, wait. So sorry, six hours to go from. So like I have my the patterns all finished, and all I'm doing is saying, oh well, they wanted this tiny tweak here and this tiny tweak here. Making so I'll make that adjustment. Uh-huh. I'll stick it on the fabric, uh-huh. cut it out, and sew it, okay. and it takes me about six hours. And that particular garment has some has hand detailing Details. on okay. it. Okay. So, that could vary yeah. drastically depending on the, on right. the item. Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so a couple things. Um, you know, so you said you don't do like sports bras and stuff. Right. But you, and you, you have done some bags. That's not your specialty. Like what would you say if, if you were to kind of have to just put a blanket, put thing, a blanket on? thing on? Like what do people come, like what's your thing? People what's your come category? To me, people come to me most of the people in this area come to me for let's make hoodies, let's make t-shirts, let's make leggings, let's uh, make very essentials. They do this do the essentials is what okay. a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Right now I have people coming to me to do some jackets. Okay. Um, they, I did a jumpsuit just recently cool. for a woman. Yeah. Um, I did. So knits are woven. Knits are woven. I do either. If either I were to choose, if I were to choose my favorite fabrics to work with, I, love working with woven do you, you like the more structured i like the more structured fabrics yeah, to work with i can do knits yeah. i have the machinery for knits but yeah. i prefer to work with wovens yeah. um i think people um depend the hard thing was with knits is that people depend too much on the the the, the technology of the fabric than the actual technology, like the actual good fits. They're like, oh, well, it doesn't fit quite right. Let's just pull it tighter, and of course, it'll look better, right? Um, but then it, because it's like it because stretches it's, it more. It stretches and, more so they yeah. can get away with doing that. Yeah. Um, and I personally, what I love about woven fabric is that when people have a good woven garment and it fits right, it means that the pattern behind it is good. It's like and, spot on. And that's exciting to me. Yeah. So, oh, I, I can totally imagine yeah. what you're saying. I, I yeah. get that. That's really cool. With a woven, with a with a knit fabric, I'm like, yeah, okay. There's some this, more margin this, of error. Some, yeah, there's a lot more margin lot. of error. You can't be quite as exacting with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, and and you can you can share numbers or you cannot share numbers, whatever you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But I think. For both people listening, because there's there's people out there listening who want to do what you're doing uh-huh. as a contractor, freelancer. I don't, mm-hmm. wh- how do you coin yourself? I just call myself freelance. Maker. I just you call freelance. myself a pattern maker. But pattern if you want to call me a freelance something, yes, I'm a You'd freelance, freelance. Pattern okay. maker. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's people out there listening who want to do what you're doing. Maybe mm-hmm. they work at a company right now and they want to do freelance. And there's mm-hmm. also people out there who um, want to start or have their own line and, mm-hmm. and maybe need your services. So I think from both of those angles, people would be interested to kind of know. And again, the number, the numbers yeah. and like, mm-hmm. how do you structure it? Do you do hourly? Do you do packages? Sure. Do you do piece? And obviously each piece is different because a t-shirt is very different than a structured jacket. Um, So, you know, share as much or as little as you don't want as far as the number. I mean, I'd be thrilled if you wanted to share some exact numbers, but if you don't, I totally get that. Sure. Um, Maybe some ranges or Mm -hmm. or whatever you're comfortable with. Like, how does that work? Okay. So I base everything on a $50 an hour 
rate. That's okay. what I base it on. Okay. Um, that number is for for pattern making and sample making. So the sample making, you can find a sample maker for cheaper than that, mm. but you can also, a lot of pattern makers charge more than that. So I've sort of found, gone, a, middle. found a middle point for that just so that I can do both of them and I don't feel bad about charging the same price for both. It just makes my life easier in the long run when I just say it's 50 bucks an hour. It's one-stop shop. The pattern yeah. making is more expensive. The sample making is a little bit less expensive. So let's just do this uh, well, average either way, number. Uh, oh. Other way around. It, pattern making is less expensive than what you might have to charge someplace else. Oh, gotcha. Sample making is a little bit more expensive gotcha. than my, who you might get someplace else. Okay. Because um, um, a lot of people have looked at my rate and gone, David, you ought to be charging 75 to to $100 an hour for your pattern making. And I go, yeah, that takes it out of the realm of some of the startup people that I want to be helping. Yeah. So for me, I I stick at 50 just because I want more people to be able to have access to me. Yeah, that's great. Um, though, um, though if it were a big company, I would consider, like a big company where they're real established and stuff, I might consider a different, rate. A, a different rate, but yeah. I would be open with them about, sure. about that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I base everything on a $50 an hour rate, but I don't keep a clock for the most part. Usually what I do is people give me a design, we sit down and talk about it, and I don't charge for consulting as far as, like, what will you charge me to do this? Sure, you have that initial uh -huh. conversation. Mm -hmm. I do charge, like, people will hire me to do, to teach them how to sew, and then it's the same $50 an hour rate. Sure. They'll ask me, hey, can you teach me pattern making? I guess it's the same $50 an hour rate. And at that moment, then I do start a clock when we're in a consulting sure. sort of teaching sure. setup. Yeah. Um, but if, if not, then what I do is I typically look at the garment and I say, based on other experiences that I've had and other garments that I've done, this should take me this many hours, which mm -hmm. means that I will charge you this amount. Gotcha. Um, and then I stick by that number. Yeah. So even if I... If I overestimate and it actually in my favor, then I'm sorry. That's the price. That's the price. Yeah. That's what I said. Um, I might give a range too, and sometimes <laughs> I underestimate. In fact, most of the time I probably underestimate. Yeah. But usually, usually what I try to do when I'm estimating is um, I look at a garment and I say, I think it should take about that much time, and then I add an hour <laughs> or two hours to it because that's things always take a little longer. They always take a little bit longer than you might think. Yeah. There's a couple times though when people say, "How long does it take you to sew a T-shirt?" And I'm like, "Well, okay, if it's if it's cut out already, the pattern's done, it's cut out for me. Like I don't have to do any of that. I just have the pieces. It takes me 20 minutes to make a T-shirt. Wow. So yeah, that's like, interesting. It's cool to know. Yeah. So like I just know that amount. And now with that that one, the lady that like nitpicks everything, um, that particular client, I could start a clock and say. I'll be done in five, I'll be done in six hours. Yeah, and it basically is like clockwork now yeah. on a couple of the items. Yeah, and other items I, if I haven't done it yet, I I'm not necessarily entirely sure. Yeah, so, yeah. so you just kind of figure out as you go, and it averages mm -hmm. out, and mm -hmm. um, that's great that you you're able to maintain your rate to a, in a, in a place that makes you accessible to some people who mm -hmm. are a little bit on on a little bit more of a tight budget or something. That being said, I yeah. still run into people all the time who are like, "Well, why do I go to a store and it's this much?" And I go, "Don't start nitpicking the price. If you're starting out." The beginning pattern making, the beginning stuff, that is where you spend the bulk of your money. And That's the, the foundation. That's the foundation. You if get that, it something's right. wrong in the pattern, mm -hmm. 
oh boy, you don't want to have 50 or 100 or、mm-hmm. 500 of those made, then you're、mm-hmm. in a big problem. Right. So when people say, well, I talked with so and so and they're a sample maker and they only do it for this amount and they're doing production and stuff, and I go, exactly. They're doing production levels. They're doing the, the stuff where the pattern's already been figured out. They're doing, that's what they're doing. Yeah. So if you, if you really want to just have a low, cheap number, then go talk to them. But、yeah. if you want my expertise,、yeah. then you actually end up having to pay a little bit more、yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. So where, whereas people are like, well, t shirt's only what, 10 bucks at the store? Well, guess what? The production for getting that t shirt to where it was supposed to be perfect might have cost them a thousand to get the pattern making perfect. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it too because、um, you, there are these sort of fundamental foundational costs that、mm-hmm. go into that first single item. And,、mm-hmm. and that has to be, you have to look at that as,、um, you know, Ideally, maybe you're going to start out with, you know, a startup designer might start out with a run of, of only 50、mm-hmm. production, but then maybe grow to 100 or 300.、Mm-hmm. And so then you have to look at, like, okay, well, if I'm really manufacturing a thousand of this piece, then the $500 or $1,000 I put into the foundation of it, perhaps. It's、well, really a dollar. It's a dollar per piece. So、right. you have to extrapolate it out. And people have to remember that once that pattern's done, They can go use it、yes. forever. Yes. And I'm, but guess what? As the pattern maker, I don't get a cut forever. Yeah. It'd be nice if I did, <laughs> but I don't. You get that one time I fee. I only get the one time fee. Yeah. And if I'm doing, if I do their one time thing and they say, well, I, you should do this for me for 10 bucks or 15 bucks, quite honestly,、um, that's an insult. That's not someone you want to work with.、Anyways. It's not someone who、yeah. I want to work with. And、so. quite frankly, it's actually, it's actually very insulting. Yeah. Because, Um, I, I've had so many people that、um, will come to me and will try to talk down the price, and I, I just go, I, It is clear that you do not value what I do. Yeah, and that's so, okay, and that's just not the right person for you. Right, exactly.、Um, so, now you, so you're in Greeley, Colorado, which I said earlier is about an hour outside of Denver,、um, and you do work with a lot of Denver designers, but you、mm-hmm. also work with people. Around the country that are、yeah. not here. And、mm-hmm. so, you, what do you do? Like Skype or telecom? Like, what do you, how do you manage that communication? Usually, what happens,、um, I have someone in Nebraska and they, they're just across the border. So, they're about three hours away. Yeah.、Um, they are used to driving. Oh, wow. They so, come to they'll、you. come to me. Yeah.、Um, I have someone down in Texas that we just started with. And when I was chatting with him on the phone, I'm like, so when we decide to do a FET, he's like, Oh, I'm only eight hours away from you. I'll come. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so they'll come to you. A lot of people will come to me. Yeah.、Um, a lot of times,、um, if I've worked with the person before and I know that the fit is good, I could just pop it in the mail and send it to them.、Mm. Um, and then they can send me a picture of concerns. Like they'll pin it in where they want it and stuff like that and say, This is what I really want. Yeah. And this is where the fit's off. Can you? Make that adjustment. And then they'll either send me the garment back with a pin, like with pins, pinning it out where it needs to be altered.、Mm-hmm. Or,、um, but to be honest, most of the time, when you, when you, that, that price, when you consider it in the long run, making a quick trip, well, Like flight wise, is actually not a big deal. The client's happy、mm-hmm. to do that. The client、yeah. typically is happy to do it. Yeah.、Um, depending on who it is. I mean,、sure. if it's a startup designer, they're not going、yeah. to worry about doing that quite so much. But the startup designers, guess what? The startup designers are here in Colorado. 
the ones that are coming from a farther distance, they're, they're building it off of uh, an existing, not necessarily brand, um, of clothing brand, but they're building it off an existing name that they have. So I have a hunter that I'm working with and they're not making their money off of their clothing right now. They're making their money off of doing their TV shows or doing whatever. That's where they're making their money and this is where they're starting to invest. So into a product line. Into yeah. a product line. So popping on a flight isn't necessarily a big issue for gotcha. them. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little it depends on who you're working with. Yeah. But and all go yeah. ahead. No, sorry. I was good. Um, all these people have just come through network, word of mouth, referral. Mm -hmm. um, Believe cause, it cause or not. No, no offense. I, I tried to like stalk you on social media and like you don't exist. I like don't you're exist. not out there playing the Instagram game. No. And, and um, you know, you're not like actively promoting and hashtagging and all that. Right. Or I shouldn't say you're not actively promoting, at least in that space. I'm not. Okay. And that's the thing. I love this. What, what's, what's fascinating is if I wanted to promote, yeah. I could get a lot more work than I actually have bandwidth for okay um it's but, just you right now right now it's just me okay um but what's fascinating is once the a couple people started coming in they told somebody else and they told somebody else so the only i have never put aside from being actively involved in a community as far as being a consistent person at the incubator where people can come in and they can ask me questions mm -hmm. Um, which isn't the case for every situation at the incubator. That's not what the incubator does. Um, there might be some changes there, but like, but as a general rule, what I've done there was simply just be present and be in the space. And then people just kind of send people to me because they know about me. So everybody out there listening, I, just, I, I don't want to gloss over this because I think it is such a critical takeaway is first of all, you know, engaging in your local community and, and mm -hmm. just being present and mm -hmm. like making those friends and, and mm -hmm. showing your face and getting out there and saying hi to people and seeing what they're working on. And, and then, you know, I think like you said, those first six months were hard. You live, mm -hmm. live with your parents and, and that's fantastic that then you were able to kind of take the next step. And so I think there's, there's a building of the foundation and I've, you're not the first person I've heard this from. Is like you get those first few, and then you you do good communication, you do a good job, you deliver mm -hmm. on time, like do what you say you're gonna do, exactly. and provide them with a really good service. And then from there, they're gonna refer to someone else. Someone else is gonna come to them and say, "Hey, do you have a pattern?" Oh my gosh, David's awesome. Mm -hmm. And things really grow organically from there. So I don't want to gloss over like how that all works. And and I do not do any promotion for myself I love like that. none <laughs> and, and i mean if I, I i mean i've considered doing a youtube channel where i say here's how you do this alteration sure, here's sure. How you, i've considered doing that but yeah. then it, it just it's not happened yet because <laughs> i haven't either needed to do that or i haven't had time to do it or yeah. i just but there's so much that i haven't i haven't really yeah which might sound like everything was handed to me on a golden plate, which it wasn't. It's not. I still, no, there were hard. still some yeah. overnighters that I pulled yeah. to make sure that I got stuff done on time for people. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And um, and and so you're you're busy full time ish. ish. You know, it right varies. Now, right right now I'm busy partially because <laughs> I like to keep myself engaged in lots of different areas. I love to teach, um, so 
currently I'm I'm teaching up at CSU, one oh, of their cool. beginning sewing what their beginning sewing class. I have they asked me to come in and teach as an industry professional one of their beginning classes. Cool. So I'm I'm teaching up at CSU. Um, I'm also yeah that's 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 I'm doing that which takes some time and sure. then um, on Fridays I'm down in the incubator yeah and I have some clients that come in and just work with me when meet I'm there. there yeah meet me there um, on Mondays and Wednesdays I'm over in Fort Collins um, yeah. there's I was one of my um, I worked retail when I was a little bit younger and did some management position and they came back to me and said we you don't have to talk with any of the customers but please come and do our stock for us because you'll make everything look nice and neat <laughs> so um, in the mornings um, two days a week yeah, I work yeah. stock person at at a retail place because yeah. they came and begged me to do it yeah um, so really in my own personal studio space I'm here Tuesday and Thursday and sometimes Saturday okay and other than that, yeah, I'm out and about, yeah, having to meet people and yeah. do other stuff. Yeah, but that's all. You know, that's good FaceTime and it's mm -hmm. good just chatting and and making friends and building those relationships, which yeah. comes full circle back to to being a freelancer and yep. and doing that. So that's awesome. Um, okay, David, this has been so much fun. I uh, two things to end. Um, one is where can everybody find? I know you're not on Instagram. <laughs> But where can every can everybody find you have a, well, you have a I website. Have a website. Okay, I have so a website which is David uh DavidRusson.net. Yeah, it's just David R U S S O N dot net. Perfect. I think that's it. Let me look it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't spend much time there. It it's is my my husband over here in the background who's doing some video footage just picked up your business card and you got it right. <laughs> I got it right? Good. <laughs> so yeah, I but it's a one page spread. Like with my contact information. Yeah, it's but nothing I have, fancy. I have had people find me through my website. That's great. Where they're just like, I know about David, but I don't know how his contact. I've heard <laughs> about him. David Russin, they'll find, and they find my website, and that's yeah. how they get a hold of me. Yeah. I've had I've had people who've heard of me and stalk me down that's because great. of it. That's so. great. Um, and then the last question is uh, what I ask everybody at the end of the interview, and that is, what is one thing people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they did? Oh, gosh. Everybody reacts exactly the way you're reacting right now. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> I can rephrase it if you that know, Maybe, maybe um, it's not that somebody asks me, but things, something that I wish people knew. Sure. About the fashion industry. Yeah, do it. Is that, number one, we're not, we're not all divas. I love that answer. We're not all divas. Yeah. And in fact, especially, and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm rooting for the make Colorado different experience. Because <laughs> um, um, when I was in New York, I worked under some divas. I worked with divas. I mean, there was, there was a diva mentality that I just, uh, and then I met some other people from California that there was this diva mentality. Like, and I just, but what was interesting is when I was in New York, People found out I was from Colorado, and they always said, "Wow, you're like every single person I've met from Colorado is so friendly and so <laughs> nice and so kind." And I'm like, "Maybe it's the sun. <laughs> it might be the sun, but I 
personally, I feel like, especially for those people who are creating their own startup industries, small towns sorts of things, whether it's in Colorado or not in Colorado, if they're not in a fashion hub, um, you can create a different culture. Yeah. We can create a different culture. We don't have to be the same culture um, that has been given to us. People don't have to be rude. People don't have to be closed-minded. People don't have to be closed-knit where they don't share their resources with each other. I feel like we'll end up with better products in the long run if there's more competition, which means that more people need to be open about where they're at and they need to be friendlier with people. Yeah. So I love that answer yeah. so much. Um, that's wonderful. And it's, uh, you know, it's interesting because I think there are a lot more of, of you out there than people realize. Mm -hmm. You know, there's obviously the stereotypical New York or L.A. scenes, mm -hmm. but there's so much more of these small town of mm -hmm. these awesome people doing really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're nice and we're, and we're fun nice. <laughs> and we share and we, we love talking yeah. shop and it's great. Yeah. It's great. It's way fun. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, awesome, David. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for Absolutely. being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure to hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be really grateful if you took 30 seconds to leave a rating or a review. You can do that at sfdnetwork.com slash review. And before I leave you, I'll remind you again about the party I'm throwing in L.A. It's a really casual meet-and-greet industry mixer, a great way to network. I'll also be there doing book signings for my recent launch of Ultimate Guide to Being a Freelance Fashion Designer book. This is your chance to get a hard copy and get it signed by me in person. If that's something that anyone actually cares about, I don't know, but I'll be there doing it. Uh, there's going to be light drinks and again, just a great way to connect with other industry professionals. If you want details for that, you can find them at sftnetwork.com slash party. Again, if you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, those are always at sftnetwork.com slash 43. Thanks so much again, you guys. I'll talk to you next week.